0: I'm Jonathan Polevsky, and it's my pleasure to interview Manuel Baruéco for these podcasts. Okay, so let's start with um, let's start with what appealed to you about Targa. And uh, yeah, let's start with that. What's uh, why do Targa? Why do you Targa now? I guess at this
1: point. Yeah, I guess there are two reasons. You know, one is that last year was the uh, the centenary of his death, and um, I was asked to play programs of his music, so I did. Actually, you know, and something that I'm was important to me and was proud of was. That I I played actually a uh, a recital in his hometown on the day of his of his uh, birthday, which is December fifteenth.
0: Is he sort of like the the musical favorite son of that particular town? I mean, is is uh, I mean, was this an important event for them?
1: Yeah, I mean, they they, uh, they built a a oh. festival around uh-huh. this figure, you know, for during during that time. Yeah, I mean, and, and it was it was actually a very nice event and in a beautiful hall mm-hmm. and uh, modern hall. I mean and uh and they had exhibits also of mm. some of his music and pictures and recordings and for me for me it was special mm-hmm. it, it was special to do that you know it's um it was you know i mean it, i did it also one time in 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 a, it was in, it was valencia for, with with rodrigo mm-hmm. there was an outside concert mm-hmm. also in the memory of rodrigo when he, and, and these things for me they, they mean something you know mm-hmm. it's nice to be there for that so that's one reason I started doing that, and also seems like the time is right mm-hmm. for me. It seems like it's right after everything that 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 I've done to do something like this, which is, is like dessert, you know, you know. And also, I think age-wise, you know, it's actually is the right thing too. I mean, I I happen to be the same age that he was when he died. Mm so uh i
0: don't like that at all
1: well <laughs> i just <laughs> i'm you have i have my fingers crossed you know yeah. that, that that i make it to 58 because actually but you're in much better shape than he
0: was because he he suffered yeah, paralysis yeah. early and he, he had some serious
1: yeah, illnesses he he, you know yeah he, he say, it's sad actually but you know there's some parallels that i worry about you know well, so what are the parallels well he was he died on december 15th okay and i was born in december 16th uh-huh. Exactly Beethoven's once, birthday, by the way. That's, that's right. Mm-hmm. And uh, only there was a one-century displacement. Right. You know? But he, he was born in 1852, 1852, and I was mm-hmm. born in 1952. Ah, I see, I see. So I'm pretty sure, and I know the reason is because, uh, I mean, he's like, he's never appeared to me in a, in a dream. So, so to me, that means that he couldn't because we're the same person.
0: This <laughs> this is bad science. Um, <laughs> this is very bad science. Well, well it's a little spooky. Days. Yeah, it's a <laughs> nah, little spooky. Well, but, but let me, totally
1: joking about the spooky thing,
0: But yeah. let me ask you, like, you're playing this man's music, which yep. was very much his music that he toured with. Uh, it's kind of nice, actually, though, that his music transcends him. And we've all played Tariga. Probably all three of us in this room have played Tariga at some yeah. point or another. And I would also say the fathers and mothers of all guitarists hmm. love when their children play Tariga. Mm-hmm. I would say particularly the recuerdos and hmm. the Capriccio Arabe and Adelita. And, yeah. uh, and I mean, all of these pieces yeah. are, are just beloved. Yeah. So when you look at the scores, yeah. you know, there's a line in Amadeus that says, on the page it looks like nothing. Mm. And on the page, it looks like nothing. Yeah. There's not a lot of notes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in the recuerdos, there's a lot of notes, and in the capricho arabe. But in many of the of the smaller pieces, especially the ones that you play when you're starting to study, mm. they're so simple, and yet I think they betray a certain elegance and sophistication that belies what you see on the
1: page. Yeah, I, I, I actually, I agree with that. You know, they are a lot more sophisticated than they seem to be, and. And, for example, there's, there's a number of them that, you know, if I was asked, could I improve them or could I change one note, it would be difficult, if not impossible, to find that. And he has that quality. He has that kind of refinement, you know, that uh, they seem to be, for the most part, most of them, you know, that perfect. But I think my relationship with him is different from, from what you're describing because, I mean, I started to play the guitar when I was eight, and Tarrega was very well known over there. And everybody was playing Tarragán. and I was playing tarrega. I mean, I, I was I was very young when um, I, I used to play the, the danzamora, the recuerdos, and the capricho arabe in student recitals very often when I when I was a kid. And and I don't know how old I was the first time, but probably probably no older than eleven when I started doing these things. And I mentioned, actually, like when I wrote some notes on, f- for the recording, that I do have a lot of associations with this thing. I mean, I remember as a kid seeing a Brower playing Capriccio Arab in concert and being very impressed uh, with that. My teacher, his name was Manuel Puch, who, uh, who I adored. You know, I mean, I adored the man and you know, his wife, Georgina. I mean, I used to be traumatized wondering who I loved more, them or my parents, you know. Mm. And Manolo, you know, that's what we called him Manuel, You know, he, uh, I think, two of his favorite pieces were the Mazurka in sol the Mazurka mm-hmm. in G, and the Prelude Number Two in A minor. And you know, and I, and I have vivid memories of seeing him. He used to love to play with, uh, you know, with a cigarette between his <laughs> pinky and his safe finger and the right hand, and and uh, so th- so there so there there are a lot of associations that. Uh, that I have with this music. So, so a lot of these things, I mean, I, I, I knew when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. The Pavan, the Pavana was something that probably the only friend that I have remaining in, in where I'm from, in Santiago, in Cuba. I used to play that when we were kids. And anyway, with all the pieces, I like that. So I had that. So so to me, it's just sort of like going home in a way. But it's only later on that I, I was able to see what you're, what you're saying. These are not only little things you know but they are they're also really refined and they have uh incredibly beautiful you know well above all they're really melodic Mm -hmm. i mean they they just have this this beautiful melodies and and i think you mentioned how the piano may have influenced him you know because he i guess he was a a piano student yes correct but you can also see his transcriptions. You know, I mean, he, he transcribed tons of Chopin and, and Schumann and, mm-hmm. and Schubert and, you know, Beethoven. And so, you know, he was obviously influenced by that.
0: If you met him, if you channeled him in your dream, uh, what do you think... He- what kind of player do you think mm-hmm. he would have been like? I know this is always a question yeah. that's so abstract and strange. Yeah. But I mean you're playing the man's yeah. notes. I yeah. often wonder do you ever get a feeling for what his hands are like or what his brain was like or or what sort of person he would have been?
1: I like to believe that I have an idea. And this is what I think. A lot of people criticize Segovia's not nowadays, and I and I did for a while, and the older I get, the more I respect what he did the job that he did, his dedication, and what he did for the guitar and the direction in which he took it. So when I say this, it's, it's, uh, it's in that context and with all respect. One thing that was unfair was when his work was presented in a way as though there was nothing, and then one day mm. Segovia created the guitar and and this style of playing. And, and I kind of bought into that until one day, ages ago, a friend played me some recordings of Miguel Yubet. And then when you hear Yubet, you see a lot of parallels. So I can only imagine that if you put Yubet and Tarrega, and you can only imagine that that's where they came from, from Tarrega. So I assume that that's what he what he came from, that, that style of playing. I imagine it was probably like Segovia. I, I imagine it was probably less developed, I would imagine. And Segovia did, uh, you know, and um, and he probably has some mannerisms or or some ways of playing. I don't mean mannerism in a bad way, but it, it, something very, it, things that were idiosyncratic to his mm-hmm. playing, just like Segovia has in his, and and a lot of us have in our playing. But that's what I imagine.
0: I think a lot of slides. I, I sort of imagine a lot of sort of uh, Heifetz, or even before, sort of like Misha Elman. I think he's a lot like Misha Elman in, in the sense that it's the art of the miniature, which I think is really special to his... Uh, to his art, y- you know, it reminds me of like lacquer box painting. You know, these little Russian things where the whole art, yeah. the, you know, you're, the idea is to paint a brilliant thing that's this big. Mm. And I think that's sort of where Tariga fits in. And I think there's mm. tremendous art and artistry to that.
1: Also, you know, it. I mean, I think the. Uh, I think the, also the guitar lends itself more to to uh, to shorter pieces than to long ones because of difficulties in in modulating you know, while playing polyphonic music, you know? So I, I think he yeah, does better in in that setting.
0: Let's talk a little bit about his guitar, which was sort of, um, if you read the Groves article, uh, this isn't my research, but uh, if you read the Groves article, it mentions that he was blessed to find an unusually resonant and loud guitar by a particular luthier. Do you know yeah. anything about this?
1: Yeah, by Antonio Torres. Mm-hmm. Torres. Yeah, well, he was the most famous uh, builder from from that time. You know, actually, this reminds me of something. One of the the, the best you know guitarists in 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 Cuba, he, one of the concert players when I was a kid, was his name was Elias Barreiro, Elias Barreiro. Yeah, he used to own one of the Torres guitars that, if I remember correctly, was owned by Tarrega himself and from. And when Elias got this guitar, I believe he had an accompanying letter from from his uh, his widow, Tarragas' mm. widow, about the guitar. So there was a connection there. You know, I'm not aware that he was ever over there. In fact, I don't think he ever was. And How that guitar got over there, who knows? Mm. That's you know. So anyway, what you know, apparently Torres just began to to build these more powerful and you know better guitars at the time, and and I think the famous. I'm horrible with the history, but. Uh, I think the famous guitarist at that time was Julian Arcas. And I guess the story goes that Tarrega heard him in concert and fell in love with the guitar. And I think it was through Arcas that Tarrega finds out about Torres and he meets him and, you know, and, and so on. So this, this guitar, this guitar was, uh, well, no, this guitar, one, the one guitar, famous Torres guitar that he had was La Leona or the Lioness, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, I have tried Torres ages ago and... and and even older guitars, you know, and we have this impression that there might be these extremely quiet, weak instruments, and they were not. They're not like the modern ones, mm-hmm.
0: but but they're you know, loud. Yeah, they're loud. Enough. Interesting, yeah. interesting. Uh, what guitar did you use for this? I used the rock, the mm-hmm. Robert
1: Rock, 1972. That mm-hmm. I, you know, that I'm using all my solo recordings. It's your fave. Yeah, uh, for this task. Yeah, I think, for the, yeah, I think it's, it's the right thing. Of I think uh, because it has a silker sound, it has more sustain. You know, I think it helps with this. Mm. You have favorites uh, of these. Um, yeah, I mean,
0: you mentioned actually, the Second Prelude. Can I see, can you see
1: the list? Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, I think and, by it. And also, uh, it, while you're looking at when did uh, when was this recorded? Uh,
1: between August and and September. Well, you know. I don't know how much it is the music or this association. Like those two pieces that I mentioned that my teacher loved to and the prelude in, in La I mean I mean to me they're special but Well I'd say this. I mean I think uh things happen for reasons and, and I think the Capriccio Arabe and Recuerdos are very famous. And the reason why they're famous is because I think they're very good. And they're very very, very strong pieces. And and uh I think it's same true for the Alita, for for Lagrima also these these i think these these are i think they perfect little things um some discoveries for me mm, yeah. was for example the tango de la cadera which is not really original it's, it's a uh, it's a transcription but i didn't know it before and and it's fun and and i actually love playing his his uh, his transcriptions on the, the Mendelssohn and and the uh, the Schumann as well, the last mm-hmm.
0: one. Yeah, that's the other aspect of this that's unusual. I mean, these just don't pop up very much, correct? I mean, nobody uh, seems to play well, these people are not anymore. really
1: people are not really playing this music much anymore. Mm-hmm. Do you think, I, oh, think... I, no, I, I, Sorry, sorry. No, But please. I think that's also another reason why I think it's the right time. I think we had we had enough of a break. And um, I wanted to tell you something, actually, about the order. I kind of feel with the recordings nowadays, you know... Because they're so long and it is like sixty minutes, I think if there's something you want them to hear, you should put it first, because mm. they may never get to the end of it, <laughs> you know. So I I thought, for example, Capricho Arabe and Recuerdos de la should be there, and I thought beginning with those, but I, I decided to begin with Dan Mora, which begins with uh, this really long you know long scale at the beginning, and what I'm what happens is well. Um, let me go back so I don't get things too confused and, about the order so I just tried to put it in in also in an order that makes some sort of sense like the masur- masurkas were together you know and then I end with the preludes, and the last prelude which is called Oremos you know which means like let's pray it was actually the last, the last piece that he, that he wrote so I ended with that and it is it is a prayer it's like a prayer and it's appropriate to me to end with that and it's based on, on one piece by Schumann from the album Blatter. Mm-hmm. I actually finished it with, with the, his arrangement of the, the reverie, a tramerate by, by Schumann, which I thought it was really, you know, so after the praying, I think it's a very nostalgic piece. You know? Right,
0: that's from the scenes of childhood. Yeah.
1: yeah. I don't know if that's people are going to pick up on that, but now i I told them that. About dance More, I, w- I was realizing one thing, and that is that often I do things and I can see connections to the past or, or what may have been the seeds of these things. When uh, when I was playing in Cuba and, and after communism, it was impossible to, to get recordings anywhere. And the only recordings that I ever listened to were recordings of I had a friend that had a collection of mean He would lend it to us. And the first recording that I heard of Segovia that I was able to take home, I listened to a few times. And I'll never forget, by the way, listening to this recording. I don't know the name of the album, mm-hmm. the LP, but on the one side, it was all Albanis and Granados. And I'm sure it, it was from there that eventually I did my and Granados record, just expanded. But one of the pieces that really caught my attention is that he played also the Danza Mora and the Minueto by, by Tarrega there. and I was very impressed with the way he did that with the Danza Mora, with the scale and the glissando at, at the at the uh, at the very beginning, at the end of the scale, you know. So I decided to put it in as a first thing, also because it reminded me of the first recording that I made, which was the one with Villalobos and. I'm beginning with a scale of eight to seven. Yeah. Again, I mean, just little things that so for me, it's, you know, mm-hmm.
0: that are references. Yeah. You left out the the Gran Jota, is that which is interesting? Uh, yeah, it, it's an odd piece. This yeah. is the one uh, sort of depicting the two armies. I think is that right? Uh,
1: I didn't know that actually. I, I looked at it a little bit and uh, and I decided to go with this. I mean, first of all, I put together what, what I thought were his best pieces. Mm-hmm. And the Jota, I, I I think it's a fun piece, but I'm not so sure it's his best piece either. Yeah, you know, and so I decided to go with, with the things that I thought were the uh, mm-hmm. the best ones. So.
0: Now, what are sources for these things? I mean, I mean, I have my uh, Taraga publication of uh, sort of greatest hits of Taraga. but uh, where where if if you if you are a serious classical guitar student, which I am no longer, um, where do you go for Taraga? Are there manuscripts, or and where did you go, and where should students go?
1: I didn't go anywhere to be honest. I just I just picked up what I had around me. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a couple of of different editions, and and some of them looked like you know like the old publishings of, of the pieces. You know, all, all editions of them. And I'm not so sure how how accurate or inaccurate they are. I don't even know if if uh, if there is, there is one that's more accurate. There must be somewhere, and and those may have been the ones that I use. I'm I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. By the way, you mentioned also the glissando before. Use the use of glissando. Which uh, that's something that can vary in some of the uh, editions, and, and one edition that I had of Tárrega, I think it was a book published by Savio, Isaac Savio, for recording in Argentina, I think it was. He mentions there that that Tartaga towards the end had begun to use less less slides, in yeah, because and obviously to use glissandos in playing. You know, Totally went out of fashion, mm-hmm. and people stopped using it and took him out together.
0: He's right in the line,
1: right? But yeah. now my feeling is that now it's a good time to go back and, and revisit this. This subject, I think there's been enough time that we can look at, it. and I think it would be a mistake not not to to uh, to use him. I don't use all of the ones that he used, but I used a lot. I actually. Put in a couple that were not
0: there, <laughs> like in Adelita, you can have some huge glissandi, which are effective and beautiful, actually. But
1: uh, that's the point. The yeah. point the point is, if by using it, it it brings out some new feeling and something beautiful, then why not?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I... And it
1: is it is part it is part of the language of the instrument. It's something the instrument can do. Of course, in, in let's say in, in a piano influenced world, I mean the, the the glissandos they just don't don't exist. I mean you know. But for the guitar and the violin, and so I think it's used correctly. I think I think it's a source, it's something, that, it's a tool to help us be more expressive.
0: Mm, nice. A huge part of the guitar's life, especially during Segovia's time, was that he did his own transcription, but he's actually, and as you say, the mythology is that Segovia invented the guitar, and that mm. Segovia also invented transcribing anything for the guitar, but actually Tariga had him beaten by, you know, two generations or so uh, yeah. in in terms of taking the great pieces of the day and arranging them for the instruments. Right.
1: Well, I think the difference between Segovia and Tariga, aside from the transcriptions, is that Segovia took it outside of the guitar right. world. I mean, he actually went to composers and, and asked, you know, write something. And I'm not aware of, of Tariga having done that, you know. Mm-hmm. No, I, th- I think the only problem with the transcription, I mean, if if, uh, if you see in the recordings, uh, I mentioned that I edited some of them. One thing that can be said about Tarriga, which I think is an accurate thing, I don't think it's unfair to say, that sometimes he was less than accurate in the transcriptions. You know, I, I don't know how much that was a concern for him. Mm. And, uh, and in some pieces, it seemed to me, I felt like I needed to change some things, to rearrange some other things, to make him a little more accurate. Some of them is is even a matter of, of the form, like for example with the uh, the Jota de las Ratas, you know, where where he, he cuts and sort of rearranges the form of the piece and and I'm not so sure why he did that. And in some places, like for example, the uh the uh, the Canzonetta by by Mendelssohn, I mean, that's a that's a piece that other people have also rearranged. And, and I wanna sort of to update her a little bit. Mm-hmm.
0: As you say, I think uh it's charming, it's heartfelt uh it's very soulful and there's nothing to be embarrassed about this music. I think maybe there was oh. a time when people sort of felt, well, this isn't substantial music. But I think it is substantial music. And I think it's it's charming and, and as you say, elegant and as and sophisticated.
1: I think it also depends a lot on how things are played. Mm. I mean, if if you play, you know, if you play something badly, you know, I mean um, I mean, you know, the greatest masterpiece will not will not sound as good. And I think when it comes to this music, often it's not played with, with, with the respect and the elegance as you men- mentioned that that it, that it should be, and sometimes without also the the understanding of the rom- romantic,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, tradition and how, how to play it or the Spanish. And for example, in and I think especially in Spanish music. Often when people play it and there's this feeling that somehow it should be played in a more pedestrian way, a popular way, and I think it's almost entirely the opposite. I think the Spanish music, the more elegantly you, you play it, you know, the better it's going to sound. And I think we had this conversation before where, where my idol for Spanish music has always been Alicia La Rocha, the pianist. And I think we mentioned once before that I, I was able to have little informal lunch with her, which was for me a great moment in my life to be with her. And I remember asking her that. He said he said, my I told her my sense is that it always should be played in the, I think elegant was the word he said I use, used. And she said, yeah, for sure. Should be like I'm never sentimental. hmm So this these things I mean uh, they don't play themselves. They don't play themselves. I mean, it's not like for example with Bach, there's some music that if you just play the right notes in the right place, it's sort of can hold its own to a certain point. With this, nothing will happen. Mm-hmm.
0: You, you know. mm-hmm. um, these, many of them are dances. Are they stylized dances or are they actual functional dances, do you think?
1: What do you mean functional? Dances, uh, like, dances that you dance so, to? traditional dance to? No. no, I don't think any of these are. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, maybe, actually, wait. I shouldn't have said that so quickly. But well, he... there's a waltz. I mean, you know, there could have been danced to. There's, there's, there's the tango de la cadera. It's, you know, these are obviously dances. You know, but these come from from zarzuelas. The Tango la Cadera and the right, Jota, right? and the rat. from zarzuelas, and they may be, actually I never seen these zarzuelas in live, so it could be that they are danced to. I'm not sure, but they're, they're danceable. You know,
0: but he goes out of his way to call Adelita a mazurka or to call Marietta a mazurka. Yeah, and do you does that inform your performance or not really? Well, it's
1: funny you say that because because it does. It does, uh, and but it brings for me it brings a question: Is it supposed to be masurka like in the Polish tradition, exactly like that, or do I imagine how a Spaniard uh, heard a masurka? And that's sort of where I go. Mm-hmm. I, I go to to I try to fine tune to the, to a point that I think you know this this works, you know, and I, and I keep it there. I mean, I I also I do think of Chopin, you know, in some of these things, in some, and there are some moments that I think. I think are appropriate to 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 look at it that way.
0: I think he, Chopin has a nice comparison with him because think, Chopin, the master of the miniature, and I think Taraga is is our Chopin.
1: Yeah. And and also what also demonstrates that is that is that uh, he he transcribed you know really a lot of Chopin. You know I, I didn't include any of them. Uh, not exactly sure why, but he did a lot. He Would did you
0: a, do another album
1: of this? Yeah. Well, you know, he didn't really write all that much mm-hmm. music. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's probably enough music to perhaps do another another recording. I mean, some of the other things that he did, he had some longer pieces that were usually variations, mm. like you mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, with with the jota uh, yeah, yeah. You know, the Jota that he did. And then he did some variations on, on a theme from La Traviata. Huh? And he did variations on the Carnival of Venice. Mm-hmm. and And those are longer works. But you know, uh, and, and they're fun. I mean, the 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 uh, the, the carnival event—it's actually it's a fun piece—and at traviata is actually quite beautiful. But I think the more 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 show pieces and and uh, would I do it? Probably not. I mm-hmm. yeah. probably I think for me that this might be enough.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, next project?
1: I don't know. For you? Okay, it's I good. don't know. I'm, 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 I'm I I need to, to go back to drawing. I have a lot of ideas, things that I like to do. Mm-hmm. Um. Right now, I'm doing a new piece by uh, by a composer named Dmitry Yanov-Yanovsky, who's actually he's flying, flying into town tomorrow. We're going to be working on his piece. and The piece is called A Little Lute Music on the Memory of John Dowland. Mm-hmm. That's the title of it. Okay. On the Memory of John Dowland? Mm-hmm. Or To the Memory of John Dowland? I forget right now. One of the two. So that's something I want to do, and, and, and there are obvious connections there to Dowland himself and, mm-hmm. and to Britain, which is a, yes. a that I need to record. I need, to, I need to 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 do that. Mm-hmm. You know I mean, I I love that piece. It's one of my, I think it's one of the greatest things. That Britain is a great and piece, out.
0: and you know, you could even combine that with the uh, "Come Heavy Sleep," uh, Dowland. Yeah. There's a solo Dowland arrangement of that.
1: How oh, did you know that?
0: I think there's a solo. Lute arrangement in addition to okay, the song. because I was thinking of that. Yeah. I think, and the song well, would be great to do with somebody yeah, course, who could yeah. really sing you know, it. I th- I That'd make it. for a great CD.
1: Well, yeah, it just needs still more time. So yeah. I, I am, I am thinking about that. That I'm going to do, but mm-hmm. whether it's going to be the next one or a little bit further down the line. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Nice. You know, I'm also dealing with. Uh, I'm going to be premiering another solo piece, another new piece, which just Sonata by by Roberto Sierra. And that's going to be in in March. It's going to be a premiere at the Casals Festival in Puerto Rico, and and that seems like it's a great piece. I'm working on that now. So and you I, did I mean,
0: his uh, Concerto Barocco. Sorry, you did his Concerto Barocco a yeah. few years ago. Well, the, yeah, uh, which was a really great piece, actually.
1: Yeah, it's a nice piece. Well, the first piece that I played played of his was a uh, well, I played the quintet also, which is actually recorded, and it was actually a double concerto for guitar, violin, and orchestra. the was done, we did in Germany and in Tokyo also with Frank Peter Zimmerman and then the Concerto Barroco the the Folias, now mm-hmm. I'm doing also the, the Danza Concertantes with guitar and orchestra and that's a great piece too you know, that's a great piece and I need to, to find a way to record it mm-hmm. and so now he's written the sonatas, I think he wants to write a number of solo pieces for guitar now so mm. my my work is cut off for me yeah. because these, these are the hard pieces to play
0: So, as a response to hearing advanced copies of of Tariga, I found my reliable 1960, uh, world's favorite solos for classical, for classic guitar, which has a ton of Tariga in it, and I decided to learn some of them, and, uh... Yeah, there's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There's like twelve pieces of Tarika in here. Uh, you know, so I decided to learn pieces I haven't played since I was probably about maybe fourteen or fifteen. and I played them horribly then, I would say, without any question. And I have to say they gave me tremendous entertainment.
1: Mm. Well, you know, I think that this also brings up a point that I think is really important. You know, I think, as as we said a number of times, I think the guitar is a really difficult instrument to play, and I think what some of these pieces have, some something like Adelita, for example, is something that it only demands a reasonable amount of effort, and as a result, what you get is to play this really beautiful music without feeling, you know, you know, overly stressed about it what some of these pieces have is again it's just for what you get back for your effort is Mm. really a lot so you get to play you know a beautiful piece perfect piece you know and with a reasonable amount of effort you know (laughs)
0: Yeah, and Targa, you know, I mean, that's that's one aspect of his uh, of, of of his art, I
1: think. Yeah, that. I mean, I mean, I, wait a minute, I mean, I also there's have to lots. Say, that's some hard. of those things are extremely hard it's as lots well. Lots hard, I agree. You know? I mean, no, it's no, not, no, no, it's, no, no. Not the, it's not all like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That's but that's one aspect of his yeah. of his music, and and some of it's tough. Yes, and it's not hard to figure out which is which.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned you mentioned Adelita and that's one. You know yeah. that that, that is it's really it just works well with you know with again a reasonable effort. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I want to thank you for recording Tarrega, uh, because it's not um, it's not music that gets a lot of attention. As as you say, I think the time is right for it, both for you and for the guitar public, and both from a nostalgic point of view and as I say, for for just uh, their their little gems. It's the art of the miniature, and the art of the miniature is important to the guitar, uh, and I think it's nice to have this music back.
1: Well, thank you. I'm glad you liked it you.